Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we are studying Jeremiah the Prophet, Yirmiyahu, chapter 2, part C. Today we will complete this chapter, going from verse 24 all the way through verse 37. It's a little bit longer than the last two, but I would like to finish the chapter today. So, um, thank you for paying attention. This is Saul Weinreb. And um, let's begin. In the last chapter, we just completed uh, verses where God had, through the prophet, had beseeched us to think about what we're doing. Think about our ways. Don't ignore our sins. Don't pretend we don't have them. Um, don't deny them. Now, and we finished with a comparison to a camel a immature camel that just runs without thinking that's not trained it doesn't know how to walk in the proper way where to turn where to go it just runs we're going to continue on this theme and continue on the theme of comparisons to animals in verse 24 it starts by referring to a para now a para is is a wild ass a an Asiatic wild ass, also known as an onager. Um, the this is a wild species of donkey that is native to the Middle East, and was common in the land of Israel at the time, and in fact, uh, still does roam in the deserts of modern-day Israel. Uh, and it is uh, a well-known wildlife there's several facts about the wild donkey the wild ass which are interesting to note it is legendary it is well known in the middle east that for thousands of years there have been various attempts to capture and tame them but they are notoriously untamable and um another place where we find this reference to wild ass is at where god refers uh, to Ishmael, Ishmael, this, and he says, and he says that he's going to be a pere adam. He's gonna, he's gonna basically be a wild donkey. So it has it almost it often is used in reference to something that just runs wild. There's, it's impo- you can't control it. It can't be tamed. It cannot be domesticated. Uh, uh, so, so, and you'll see in this verse 24, that same idea being expressed. Pere limud midbar. The pere, the wild ass, is known, it is well accustomed to living in the wilderness. Bi avat ruach. She, she, um, by her own desire, this is referring to the, the female wild, wild donkey, by her own desire, she just, she runs and blows wind. She goes where she wants. She just runs and breathes and by the wind, by her own desire. No one can control where she runs. When she has a desire to go somewhere, no one can stop her. She just runs. All those that search her out, that try to find her, they don't bother exhausting themselves trying because they know that they can't. When could she be found only when it is in her month? Uh, there's various interpretations of this, but the simplest understanding is, is during only that month when she is, when she is ready for mating, 
then the male can find her. Then she waits, then she stands and is ready to accept something else, someone else. But other than that, she can never be found, never be caught. She's wild, she runs. This is a metaphor to the people. He's saying, God is telling the people, you're like this wild ass. I've been trying so long to teach you, to domesticate you, so to speak, to teach you how to live, to teach you proper morals, proper ethics, proper behavior, to teach you the laws and rules of the Torah. But you just run and run in the wild and not, nothing can stop you. Not, no matter what I do, I can't stop you. But when, if you would stop and decide to be found, then you could be found. And God is putting this responsibility on the people. You need to take responsibility for your behavior. That has to come from you. However, unfortunately, God laments that they don't. They don't listen. They keep on doing their own thing. If we go on to verse 25, This is the prophet beseeching the people. Stop running to look when the people, when they're constantly running. Remember we said before, that they, uh, how they were looking to Assyria for help, looking to Egypt for help, looking and, and, and trying to, to do whatever they could to ingratiate themselves to the other nations instead of looking to their own strength, to their own God, instead of looking to their own customs, their own religion, their own, and being proud of themselves, they were always running to look somewhere else. And he's saying, when you run to the other nations, you, you go and you go until your feet are, are bare and, and, and in pain. Your, your, your throats are thirsty and dry because you're going far distances to find help. Stop going over there and looking. And you're always saying, there's no hope, there's no hope. We're trying to find this one, we're trying to find that one. Lo. Lo, and you answer me when I tell you this, when I tell you to stop running, you say, no, I love these strange nations. I want to go there. I'm going to go out there to try to find help. You just don't listen. You keep on going out there to look. In verse 20, Now we're up to verse 26. However, you, you're pretending. Remember, the people are... are uh, or we uh, are pretending and or, or, or not pretending is not the right word they're unwilling to say and admit their own faults and their failures one day when when a person is unwilling to admit them they walk around as if as if everything is cool as if they're all fine everything they're doing is good this is what god is criticizing them for when a person acts that way then they're incapable of changing their ways they're incapable of recognizing their problem and in such a case, they're very open to extreme embarrassment and shame when it becomes revealed and obvious that they're not as holy as they claim to be, as they think they are. It reminds you of it reminds me of a of a of a president, let's say I don't know Nixon, who you know was at you know was in an honored position, in a powerful position, in a strong position, denying that he did anything wrong. But then all of a sudden, the shame is revealed. And then the, the then there's a huge a huge letdown. So that's what it's saying in this next verse. Kivoshes ganov say the the embarrassment that's going to come to you is like the embarrassment of a thief when he's found out to be a thief. The Radak points out that this is a ganov is a, is the type of thief who sneaks, who hides, who pretends he's an upstanding citizen, but he hides in secret, as opposed to a gazlon, which is another word that refers to an open thief. I'm a bandit. You know, El Chapo, you know, I, everybody knows that I'm a, 
that I'm a that I'm a drug lord. Everyone knows that I'm a a, a bandit. But but here, but but uh, but a, a ganov is someone who is pretends to be, uh, to be um pretends to themselves and to the and to the public that he's he's an upstanding citizen. But then when he's found out to be a true ganov, then this tremendous embarrassment. Kain hovishu basis all that is the type of embarrassment that's going to come to the house of Israel and to everyone. Hema they the people themselves malchehem their kings sarem their officers v'chohanem their priests unuviem and their prophets. Meaning here their false prophets. All of them will be ashamed and embarrassed when when it becomes revealed who they really are. And, and what do you keep on doing? In order to ingratiate yourselves to the other nations and try to get help from them, you act like them, you start doing their customs, you start even worshipping and believing like them. You're going to the wood and saying, this tree, you are my father. And you're going to a stone, a statue, saying, you gave birth to us. You should know better. These gods, these are the gods and ways of worship of those other people. You should know better. You turned your back to me, not your face. You turned your back to me and ran away and looked to other places rather than turn your face towards me and come towards me and look towards me, God, for help. And then, after all this behavior, when you have bad stuff going on and things aren't going well, what do you say? Yomru, that's when they say, come save us. At that time, what am I going to say? God says, verse 28, you're going to turn to me only when it's bad times, but in your actual behavior, you're constantly running everywhere else but towards me. That God that you made for yourself, that statue, that idol, where is, where is that God? Is he going to come save you when things are bad? No, you're turning to me. You know they're not going to save you. They can't do anything. You've had so many gods. As many as there are cities in your in your land, that's how many gods you've had. Every city had their own god, this god, that god, the other god. And when push comes to shove, they're not there for you because they have no. They cannot help you. Verse 29, Why do you have a case against me? Riv, we have seen many times. Um, it means a an argument, but more of a legal argument. In other words, what, what case do you have against me? You don't have a case against me. All of you have rebelled against me, says God. You have nothing against me. I've been good. I've And, and even when I struck you, even when I punished you, it was in an attempt to make... To make you turn around, to make you realize your mistakes. And now I regret even punishing you, God says in verse 30. When I struck you and your sons and your children, it was for nothing. It was useless. Because you didn't even learn the lessons that I was trying to teach you. Literally, this means your swords ate your prophets. Like a... Like a um, like a lion that destroys. Now, uh, this, the most of the uh, most of the um, uh, commentaries, let's Rashi, for example, Matsudos, most of them understand this to mean that you actually you were so uh, rebellious that you took your swords and killed the prophets, like the story of the prophet Zechariah. And as the rabbis teach us, happened to the prophet Isaiah, who was killed by the king Menashe. This is that's at least tradition. And maybe the prophet Uriah, but so that's what it's a reference to. That you killed your prophets. You didn't want to listen to the lessons that they were teaching you, Musar Lola 
Uh, the Radak had a little different understanding, which he quotes in the name of his father. The Radak understands it is that the Nevi Echem, your prophets, when God refers to your prophets, not my prophets, not God's prophets, but your prophets, that refers to the false prophets that people were following. And Achla Charbachem Nevi Echem, your your um, swords destroyed them because they caused you to become killers. So your 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 false prophets caused you to kill them. Your false your your sword your, your false prophets turned you into a killer people, which which kind of fits with some of the verses we're going to see later on when it talks about um um. Uh, in verse 34, but we'll get there. But so that would be just another understanding. Um, uh, and well, just a real quick verse 34, we mentioned how how the people um, have have become killers. They've become responsible for the deaths of everyone. So that, that would be how, how the deaths of the people that did not deserve it. So that would be another understanding of But the simple pshat, the simple explanation is the first one that I mentioned, that your... Um, that even though it says your prophets, it means the, the prophets that I sent to you to teach you the right way, you killed them by sword. Verse 31, Hador, this nation, I mean, sorry, this, this, um, this, uh, this generation, I'm sorry. It's like a, an exclamation, Radak explains, it's like, Hadar calling out, you generation, atemru, you see the word of God. Hamidbara Yisili Israel. Have I been a a uh, like a desert to the people of Israel? In other words, I provided you with everything you needed. I'm not I'm not asking you to live and be with me and I don't provide you anything as if I was a desert that doesn't provide water, that doesn't provide food and farmland. Am I a dark land, a land that gets no sun, a land where you can't grow crops? Is that the, the way I treated you? No, I brought you to a land that was good. You had what you need. I provided you for your needs. So look, why is it that my nation said, Radnu, we have gone down, we have left you, God. Why is it that they're saying, we don't want to come to you, God, anymore? This word radnu has many ways of understanding it. God is saying here, um, have I not provided for you? Why did you, why did you tell me radnu? Rashi understands it, and, and I really like this one, um, as separate from language of harodepath. We see in the Talmud uses the term very often, uh, one who separates bread from the oven is a rodepat minatanor. So, and he learns, understands this. Madua amru ami radnu. Why is it that my nation says we have separated ourselves from you? We've gone. We left you, God. No lo We no longer will come to you. Another way the Radak understands this from the language of ra, of raid, um, as, a, as a language of leadership. And it's saying, Madua Amru Ami Radnu. We have then then the understanding of this verse would be, why is it that my nation said we have already appointed our leaders? We have our own kings, we have our own officers, we have our own uh, <laughs> um, a priest. We don't need you anymore, God. That's another way of understanding it. A third way of understanding it is is possibly um, 
is I didn't see this in 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 any of the commentaries, but I would like to compare it to to uh, in Genesis in Bereshis twenty seven. That's chapter twenty seven, verse forty, where Yitzchak Isaac is telling, um, talking to his son Esau, who walked in after Jacob stole the blessings, and Esau was very upset and he cried and he asked, he begged his father, give me some blessing, and during the and Yitzchak said, okay, I'll give you, I'll say something, and one of the things he said was in verse forty, Al you will live by your sword. You will be subservient to your brother. And it will be when you rebel against your brother. I'm translating it as rebel. You will overthrow his yoke. I think that that language, Torid, raid, is the same root as the word here, Radnu, raid. So then you would translate it as follows. Why is it that my nation has said we have rebelled against you, God? We will no longer come to you. That would be another way of understanding this. Um, just to add as a possible interpretation of the word. So why is it that you say this, that we're never going to come to you anymore? Let's go to verse 32 forget her what special clothing she chose out for herself what special clothing she wears uh, a, a young woman is proud of the of how she dresses of how she dresses herself how she adorns herself her jewelry etc this is something that 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 she's proud of and kaloki shura does a bride um forget her 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 gowns her dresses the things that she wears but my nation, they forgot about me. They should look at me, God is saying, I am their pride, I am their joy, I am what makes them special. I am how they look to the rest of the world. This is what we have to offer, but but you have forgotten me. A young girl doesn't forget her dress, but you've forgotten your God. You've forgotten me for so long, I can't even count anymore how long it's been since you've remembered me. How much have you tried to change your ways in order to search out love in other places? You're constantly looking for, for approval from all of the nations that surround you, that you've adopted their ways, changed your ways, done so many things in order to try to get their favor, and it's never going to work. Not only have you, you didn't just... Uh, learn how to talk to them, learn their language, find out what kind of gifts they like. But you, you've even adopted their evil practices. You've adopted their bad ways. You've learned your ways. And what was those bad ways? To oppress the poor. The main thing that you have that's different about you is, is that you're supposed to have learned justice, righteousness, how to treat the poor. But you've even learned their bad ways. You've taken it and you've become evil people like them. This is the key to the problem of going to places that don't share your values for help rather than turning to God. Because you adopt their evil ways. Because as he says, once you, you learn their bad ways, what happens? Verse 34, Once you've adopted their bad ways, it's become so ingrained in you to oppress people that are innocent, to take advantage of the poor that don't deserve it that your clothing gets soaked in the blood of the people who you destroyed, the lives that you destroyed. 
You've become corrupt. You have not found them in a... The people that you're making suffer are not people that you have found in a tunnel trying to sneak up on you. They weren't... That's the, the, the example of a person who you're allowed to harm. When they come to harm you, you can harm them. But these people are innocent and you've oppressed them, you've hurt them to the extent that your clothing itself is, is, and we've had this in several other prophets before, the clothing itself that you walk around and you wear is, is, is soaked in your, in your guilty ways. Kial kol eila, and these, these last four words of the verse 34 are really according to the Radakan introduction to verse 35. Because on all of these things, these, all of these things I have rebuked you, I have taught you, I have told you, but still, and I have pointed out your bad ways, but still vatomri, still what you say, kini kesi, is still what you're saying is that no, I am innocent. And, even, and you're saying, God won't be angry at me. He'll be fine with me. But, right? You're, you're, you're simply not admitting your mistakes. No matter how many times I point out your mistakes, you're still walking around saying, I'm innocent. I'm fine. God's going God's to gonna not be mad at me. He's going to treat me well. However, God says, I will take judgment on you. Why? Because of what you're stating. And that is that you keep on stating, I did not sin. The key here is that, um, that, that what God is saying is, is that it's one thing to sin. And I understand people sin, and you could come back and you could turn around. But God emphasized this so many times through his prophet Jeremiah, this this chapter, that that's not what it is. The issue here is that you refuse to admit that you sin. You double down. When somebody points out that you did something wrong, instead of saying, oh, instead of recognizing, you know, you're right, I'm sorry, I, I made a mistake and trying to improve yourself, in which case I would certainly give you that opportunity. What you did... What you do is you say, no, I didn't sin, I'm fine, and God's going to treat me well. This arrogance, this incredible arrogance, is what God is, 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 is so upset about. We're at verse 36 now. Again, emphasizing how the people changed themselves in order to try to ingratiate themselves to, to those other powers of the world, rather than looking towards God. Matezli uh, could mean, how much have you went down? Have you, have you, uh, have you went down? This could mean literally go down, as some of the commentaries say. Go down meaning going down to Egypt, which because Egypt is, is often considered going down um, to change your ways in order to learn their ways to try to get uh, help, help from them. Matezli ma'od, according to Rashi, means from the from the root of the word zol, 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 or cheap, or 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 zilzol, you know, something which is which is um, uh, um, base and and lowly. So matezli ma'od, I, I love the translation that the JPS uses here. How much have you cheapened yourselves? L'shanos to change your ways. You've cheapened yourselves. You're made, you've made yourselves into nothing. You're such a valuable people. You have something so valuable and so beautiful to contribute and to be proud of. But instead, you cheapened yourselves and just tried to imitate them. So therefore, gami mitzrayim tevoshi. You will even be more embarrassed than the people of Egypt. 
or or gam kasher boast measure in the same way you were embarrassed from Assyria before because the Assyrian assault was behind them now and they the Assyrians destroyed the northern kingdom and destroyed most of the southern kingdom you're going down to Egypt to get help you're going to be embarrassed from them too gam me eight zetates e also from this um, this is verse 37 the last verse um uh, 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 even from from this place you will go out mean, meaning even from the place where you're going to seek for help you're seeking help from Egypt you're seeking help from these other nations even from there you're going to end up leaving in other words you're going to end up leaving empty-handed your hands will be on your heads just like a person puts his hands on his head when he's distraught and oh no what am I going to do that's where your hands are going to be you're going to go and you're not going to get the help that you're looking for. Why? God is disgusted with the, with the things you place your faith in. You place your faith into everything else and you try to trust and look for help everywhere else. You will not find success in those with them, with those places. And therefore, you will leave empty-handed from there too. Um, I know this was a little longer than usual, but... Uh, I did, we did just finish chapter 2. Thank you so much for studying Jeremiah chapter 2 together. Looking forward to moving on to studying chapter 3 together as well.